leaves are falling and the weather is getting colder, but have no fear. We're back for another episode of Free Exchange, a production of the Badger Institute. I'm joined by our senior vice president, Michael Jar. Michael, um, what's it like getting ready for Thanksgiving? It almost feels like summer was just here and now we're getting ready for the holidays. It's getting kind of wild with, you know, the supply shortages and everything. But I mean, everyone is looking forward to taking a few days off. I, I always look forward to Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite meal uh, holidays and uh, um, just enjoy the, I only focus on the food <laughs> I enjoy the turkey I enjoy the Thanksgiving and, and the family is nice too but um, yeah it's uh, it's a great holiday uh, we, we are having um, our grandkids over and it should be just a, a great time nice well speaking of great times we're gonna talk about a rather confusing time as we're jumping into today's topic this has been something that Uh, Throughout the summer, when we were discussing the issue of um, public venture capital in the state of Wisconsin, uh, we took a very firm stance on where we felt, you know, the money should have gone or should have not gone. And other people who were typically within our orbit had some very different opinions about that. So I think we're going to go ahead and talk about that today. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for people to think about, uh, hear the words venture capitalism and maybe their eyes glaze over and they say, well, what what does this have to do with me? It really is an important issue, especially when you think about the amount of money that's involved. Um, In his budget proposal earlier in 2021, Governor Tony Evers included a $100 million venture capital program. And the goal was to use taxpayer money for what is called a fund of funds. In short, the state would distribute $100 million to existing venture capital funds. Who That's would, a lot of dollars. Did I, did I mention? Oh, yeah, I guess I did. Um, that would then be distributed to uh, venture capital funds who would then in turn uh, distribute those monies, taxpayer monies, to Wisconsin startups. Now, Republicans in the legislature at the time were killing hundreds of the governor's proposals within the state budget, but they left this one in. So at that time, the Badger Institute produced an analysis of the proposal written by one of our visiting fellows, and we worked with uh, other fiscally conservative organizations in the state to craft a public letter to lawmakers highlighting the risks and problems associated with this approach. Following these efforts, fortunately, the measure quietly died. But now, Governor Evers has suggested he might use federal COVID funds to revive this $100 million program, uh, the Wisconsin Fund, this venture capital plan that he has in mind. So we're fortunate to have with us today Dan Sem, who knows the venture capital world and can give us some unique insights. Dan is president of CU Ventures and dean of the Batterman School of Business at Concordia University, Wisconsin, in Mequon. Dan has also written a piece for the latest issue of our Diggings magazine, that argues that private venture capital, not public-private hybrids, is the proven way to foster economic growth, prosperity, and economic well-being in the state. So, Dan, thank you for joining us. Michael, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about venture capital, one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Great. It's great to have somebody who knows what they're talking about. So you're a professor, first and foremost. Uh, let us start at the 101 level. For our listeners, what is venture capital? Why, why is it important? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, <clears throat> and then if you want to dig deeper on any aspect of this, happy to do that as well. So so first off, don't hold it against me that I'm a professor. <laughs> I, uh, I worked out in the real world for a number of years before becoming a professor. I, uh, I, I learned about and cut my teeth in venture capital um, 
1999 when I was part of a team that raised 12 million in venture capital in, in Southern California for a biotech company that I was part of. So venture capital is really um, something exciting. I mean, America, one of the things that we shine at is, is innovation and entrepreneurship and a lot of great technologies coming out of America. It's, it's truly what we're known for. Mm-hmm. And it's in large part because of the venture capital uh, in industry and structure. And so it's the way that you fund uh, innovations, early stage ideas before they can go to market. Uh, it's uh, investments that are generally extremely high risk. So if you, in fact, a venture capital firm, which would typically have at least $100 million under management, so $100 million is sort of on the the low end, um, will make maybe out of 10 investments, you can expect five of them to be a complete failure. Mm. Every one they, they believe is going to succeed and succeed in a big way. But in practice, about half are going to completely fail. Maybe one or two out of 10 is going to hit it out of the park. So 10, 100 full times the initial investment. So if you put in a million dollars, you get 10 or $100 million out. But you got to remember that 90% are not doing that. So you need those kind of returns. The other two or three are going to maybe give a one or a two X full return on investment. So banks will never loan to startup companies. It's too risky. So the only way to fund things like the idea for the new iPhone or, or Facebook or maybe some other less controversial <laughs> technologies out there, uh, many of which are, are incredibly valuable and have, have changed the world. Um, you know, uh, this is the only way to fund them. So it's the way that you nurture and foster innovation uh, anywhere in the world. And the U.S. Uh, statistically does it better than pretty much anybody else. You know, so it's uh, capitalism is sometimes a, a word that has fallen out of favor nowadays, but it is at the heart of capitalism. It's at the heart of funding new innovative ideas, and it's extremely high risk. And uh, I partly apologize for being a professor because even though I'm proud, of my academic credentials, venture capital has learned best by being out in the industry doing it in, in the private sector. And maybe we can talk a little bit later about sort of the interplay of public versus private. So. Yeah, definitely. So the, the governor is addressing what I think is a legitimate concern. Wisconsin does not fare very well in the venture capital sphere. Uh, we're just not getting the kind of investment that you see on the coasts. Right. Uh, t- talk a little bit about that problem and what's contributing to it. Yeah, and it's a bit of a problem. I mean, I work with quite a few startups. I work with startups uh, throughout Southeast Wisconsin connected with the different universities. Uh, And the capital market in Wisconsin is quite different uh, than the venture capital market across the whole U.S. Frankly, most of the venture capital is is concentrated in uh, California and, and on the East Coast and New York and the Boston area. So the vast majority, I forget the statistics, but you know, something like 80% is there. The Midwest and Wisconsin has a, a lot less. And so if if you're doing something in, say, the healthcare, health tech sector, and you need to raise 2 to $3 million, it's very limited. The average Series A financing is, is actually a bit more than that, closer to $10 million. In healthcare, if you needed to do a $10 million Series A, there's really only one firm in Wisconsin that can do it, Venture Investors, uh, there's others like HealthX and, and a number of other venture funds that can come close to that. But really capital-intensive um, initiatives need to go to the coast for, for money. And that's always been sort of a challenge is, is how to attract that coastal, coastal money. And I suppose 
that is what's driving this initiative is, is can the state, can the government come in to, to fill that, that gap? Can we either fund uh, directly the, the companies that need this capital that can't find it in Wisconsin or, or syndicate? And by syndicate, I mean you kind of go in with other investors. Now, in fairness uh, to what's being proposed by Governor Evers is not per se proposing to have the state involved in making investment decisions. I, I think the fund of funds concept is, is to um, uh, partner with or, or fund into other investors that are in the private sector and, and, and lead that investment. And really that is, I think, incredibly important is uh, if we were to do anything like that, it is so important not to have government having any role in making the investment decisions because there's data out there that shows that government involvement is counterproductive to investment success. So, uh, and so that's the tricky part about what's being proposed by, by the government go governors is to what extent would there be arm's length uh, from the private sector? Because you really have to, there's just no way that somebody working for the government is gonna have the kind of experience needed to make smart investments. And like I said, with only one out of 10 or two out of 10 hitting it out of the park, who's gonna have that kind of expertise is only an experienced venture capitalist. So, so if we were to ever pursue something like a, a state fund of funds, we'd have to do it in a way where there was an incredible amount of arm's length between the government control of this and the actual investment decisions. And uh, I guess that's the worry is could we actually accomplish that? That's one of the things that we hear from proponents is that, look, there's going to be um, a, uh, a degree of separation between the state and the private investment, that um, the venture capitalists, the real venture capitalists, not state officials, will be making the final decisions about which companies receive these, these funds. However, the governor's proposal says that roughly 20% of the $100 million needs to be set aside for minority businesses and businesses that have ethnic diversity as part of their effort. Doesn't that already begin to kind of put the thumb on the scale toward government saying where this money should go and shouldn't go and what sorts of uh, startups should um, should receive the funds? Right, and and, and certainly I, I think there should be more minority-funded business, absolutely. Uh, there should be no bias at all against that. And But but you're right, Is is... Where do we draw the line with the government coming in and recommending this or that? So there's, it's a very slippery slope, yeah. as history has shown. Um, and I don't know that it would stop there. So, yeah. and you know, the the fund manager associated with the, the state fund of funds is going to have input into what other funds they partner with, and are they going to have no sort of input or oversight? I don't know if that's written into the bill strongly enough, and. And like you say, we're already talking about certain restrictions on what can and can't be funded. It's it's unclear that you know once you've opened that Pandora's box, how, how far is that going to go? So yeah, you, you've uh, mentioned too um, just the the inherent risk in this model, yeah. um, even for those who are investing and risking their own monies. Um, the Wall Street Journal reports that ninety five percent of startups fail to meet specific revenue growth or break even dates. 30 to 40% are forced to liquidate and lose all of the investor money. Right. Uh, another 35% um, only survive until their 10th anniversary. Um, three quarters of venture capital-backed firms never fully return their original investment. Um, so uh, that's one thing. 
if I have the resources to put that in, and, I, and I'm making decisions based on my money is on the line here. Right. Is it problematic that these investors will be making these investments with somebody else's money, with taxpayer money? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, there's a there's sort of a concept in economics, uh, a matrix of, you know, whether you're spending your money or whether you're spending other people's money and then whether you're spending it on yourself or others. And it's just, like, uh, it's always most effective when you're spending your money on things that affect you directly. That's just, you know, sociologically proven. <laughs> it's human nature. So when you're spending other people's money, you're, you're just inherently less careful with it. That's... Uh, uh, fundamental in economics, um, you know, with regard to the the, the high risk that that you mentioned in, in the Wall Street Journal article, uh, it is extremely high risk. Um, I am an advocate of venture capital, but I am an advocate of the experts doing it. You know, you need that kind of experience to be able to have success. Folks, I'm interrupting real quick to remind you that productions like these are only able to exist with support from individuals just like you. If you find value in this program, we're hoping you may want to give just a little bit of value back. The Badger Institute is a nonprofit organization that strives to create opportunity and protect liberty for all Wisconsinites. We do not accept government funding and rely solely on the generosity of individuals like yourself to support our policy and advocacy work. To learn more or make a donation, visit badgerinstitute.org. I don't want too much decision-making controlled you know, by legislation and, 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 and by people, by individuals, single individuals. So I would want, however we end up doing this in Wisconsin, I would want it where the key decision-making is always being made by uh, experienced investors with, with quite a bit of experience. Um, so yes, there's a bit of a capital problem in, in the Midwest. Um, if we go to some sort of state-funded thing where we supplement money provided by the private sector, I just worry that we are not going to be careful enough about keeping that arm's length. Um, it should be a very small amount of the total capital as well, just to supplement. I, you know, even in Wisconsin, I think the the venture firms like like VI Venture Investors, you know, the the size of a Series A financing has been increasing. So, you know, increasingly, maybe a hundred million dollar fund isn't enough. Maybe you need a two hundred million dollar fund. Um, but like you say, you're spending taxpayer dollars for these very risky investments. So. You, you just want to make sure that the people that know what they're doing are the ones that are doing this, um, and that is that is the worry. So I'm not I'm not a hundred percent opposed to some government money going into this, but I am just extremely worried that we're not going to sort of put the barriers in place that uh, that that could get in the way of the free market, and the free market has proven itself as being incredibly effective. And you know, an argument could be made if hey, if there are so many great investments in Wisconsin, why aren't the coastal firms investing here? They want to make money, so right. Uh, and, and you point out in your article um, that we really do it well here in the United States. Yes, you uh, kind of compared um, the U.S. investment, where it's it's almost entirely free market driven, to Europe and China, where they invest quite a bit of government money into um, venture capital. Can you talk a little bit about though, that contrast? Yeah, and there are various countries like. China and, and certain companies in, in the EU as well that have experimented with different levels of government-funded venture funds, and 
And the data is pretty clear. When, when the level of government investment is high, you know, the success rate goes way down. So it's kind of correlated in, in that way. You know, if, if you have a smaller amount of government investment and com- more control in private sector, then you start to see better returns. So it's just how you exercise that balance is the tricky part. But by far, the, the U.S. does better than the rest of the world. It's something something really to be proud of. And, and you know, I think... The success of the companies that get funded in venture is is lifting the prosperity of of the whole country, and it's why we excel, and it's why our our GDP per person is so high. And it's not as though there aren't problems in the U.S. and you know discrepancies in in in, in what people earn and so on. But you got to remember that overall our prosperity is so high compared to the rest of the world. And I would argue that in large part it's it's because of this. It's it's the support. Or innovation uh, that that comes through the private sector venture capital system. So, you know, don't we, we shouldn't mess with success. <laughs> yeah, you you wrote that uh, uh, U.S. venture capital system uh, has returns of twenty five percent or more per year compared to roughly ten percent of returns in publicly traded stock, for instance, right. where a lot of us put our investments. Um, and that uh, and then again we the. Uh, um, Compared to what happens in other nations, it's it's not even close. Right, exactly, and yeah, twenty five percent is is great return. Yeah, but you're not going to get that unless you have people that really know what they're doing, and the people that know what they're doing are the people that have been doing this for five, ten years and have multiple successes under their belt. Mm-hmm. You know, as great as education is at Concordia, <laughs> plug in for Concordia. But I mean, <laughs> no matter where you get your business education. You don't learn it in school. <laughs> you, you learn it by doing it in the private sector. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there seemed to be a, an awkward moment when this kind of made it through because it was one of those uh, strange occurrences in government where Republicans were looking at this and they're like, huh, like, and I'm talking elected Republicans, they're like, ah, oh, you know, this, this might be good. And then you had Democrats that are like, oh, this might be really good. And um, there, there were some conservatives who were vocal supporters about it. You had you had some elected Republicans in, in the state Senate who were somewhat quiet because I think they were kind of, you know, waiting to hear what other people were saying about it before they came out with a hard stance. But you had some conservative business leaders who were like, listen, we had something like this under Governor Walker's administration. Right. Uh, it's going to be a bipartisan board. And I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a millennial. I grew up through the 2008 crisis and everything else. And it seems like whenever government does something bipartisan, it just means that they're growing the role of the state. Right. And, and when I look at this, it's one of those situations where it's like, and, and I mean, I, I had worked in the tech sector before coming here. I mean, nobody really can ever guarantee success no matter how confident you are. But at the end of the day, it's it's our money that we're gambling. It's the individual investor who's taking that risk. Right. The taxpayers don't have a say in that when it comes yeah. to the situation. It's a fatal conceit of central planners. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm all about sort of the bottom-up approach rather than the top-down approach. It's, it's why markets succeed. So, But it, with regard to your early comment, you're, you're right. I mean, Governor Walker had supported some form of, of a fund of funds and, and Evers as well, so this has been... There's sort of a long history of this. Uh, cynics might say that the Democrats will never report uh, support a Republican initiative when Walker was in, and vice versa with Evers. So, I don't know if it's if it's that per se. Cynics might say it's that, but because, like you said, there were some Republicans that were in support of this. I just say, you know, it's questionable that government should be in this at all. But if they are, just make sure that there are protections in place for the things that we talked about earlier. Which government should not be influencing 
uh, significantly how the investments are made because it's so hard to do this right and you're wasting other people's money by doing it. So that is sort of my big fear in all of this. Now there's a, there's a private version of a fund of funds uh, in Wisconsin, uh, NVNG, it's, it's a venture firm and it's a fund of funds, uh, but it's funded by corporations. Um, corporations who are not looking necessarily to do something philanthropic, maybe they, care, they do care about growing the workforce, but they want to get return on investment. So they're going to hold NVNG accountable in a way that a, a, a government-appointed person might might not have that same pressure upon them. So that's a another way to think about addressing the capital shortage in, in the Midwest is, is create these kind of fund of funds that supplement other kind of investor-led uh, investments, but they are funded in the private sector by the, the corporations and so on. So... So that's a sort of another approach to think of in addition to the state-sponsored approach that I think has maybe some merit to it. And I uh, took a look at the um, Badger Fund of Funds uh, as a part of the article that I wrote for Diggins Magazine, which accompanies your article. Um, and uh, so the Badger Fund of Funds was created in uh, 2013 with an initial appropriation of $25 million that has now grown to, um, I think it's about $67 million dollars uh, in that in that fund, and it's run by the Department of Administration. According to its last quarterly report, um, it's a little hard to sort those things out at times, but uh, I delved in and got some, some feedback from people, experts like you, and uh, it appears that um, about $27 million of that $67 million so far has been committed to five venture capital funds. Around $8 million of those dollars have actually been distributed to startup businesses. So since just again summing this up since 2013 about 67 billion dollars put into this fund about 8 million dollars of it has actually been distributed to startup businesses and the um the quarterly report was touting the fact that 100 jobs have now been created as a result of this fund so when you break that down that means uh, the taxpayers have spent 8 million dollars to create about 100 jobs at a cost of about $80,000 per job now in an in economy where about half a million jobs are created every year, about half a million jobs are lost every year, 100 jobs is infinitesimal. Uh, and, but when you're you know, spending $8 million to create those 100 jo- jobs, you just have to wonder why, why are we bothering with this? Yeah. Um, so there's a few things to un- unpack there. Uh, also, just to talk about the timing of venture investments, to kind of go back to my Venture 101 lecture <laughs> uh, that it, um, uh, for, for private funds the, the time frame for most private funds is, is 10 years so that you have to ideally produce some success within seven or eight years so there's a, a time frame it does take a long time for a, a company that you've invested in to produce an exit so so you know the badger fund of funds aside just sort of private funds say say you raise a hundred million dollar fund, fund after you've closed that, so you've raised it from pension funds and whatever, all, all kinds of sources, now you have a duty to your investors to produce a return. So there's a lot of pressure to, to deploy that money quickly in the first couple of years. Uh, and then you may, then maybe you have seven years or six years for these companies to be acquired, which the only way to get an exit, so money back, is if there's an IPO, those are very rare, <laughs> or it gets acquired uh, by somebody. So that has to happen in less than that 10 years. So the, the private funds are under that sort of pressure. 
Badger Fund of Funds, I, I guess, uh, you know, if, if they were here to defend themselves, would probably say, give us a little time. You know, we're close to the end of it. But, the you know, obviously they should be put under that same pressure as, you know, within 10 years we want to see that. So, so the question, I guess, that's on the table with what you just presented is, are, are they going to produce those returns in the next couple of years or so? Um, and maybe we can kind of, you know, have a second part of the discussion that you kind of opened up there. But you're right is, uh, you know, if you're looking at this as investments to produce jobs, the ROI is not there for sure. In a, in a rather dramatic way, it's not there. You know, the, the, would it be there in two or three years? I guess the, the jury's out. We'll have to see. Uh, it, it does take time to, to see those returns. But you bring up an interesting point is uh, there's another metric that's being put on this money. So that's that's fine. But most venture capitalists that invest are not investing to produce jobs. or they're, they're investing to produce a return on investment. So so now you've got like another variable put in there. And I'm all about creating jobs. That's a wonderful thing. Sure. But that's a different thing than investing in startup companies that produce a return. So so if you're putting all these other constraints on the investments that you make, then no longer is this so much an investment about producing financial return. It's it's about economic development and producing jobs and mm-hmm. and, and then are you going to be held accountable to that metric instead? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of an interesting, you know, concept. Is is our politicians are going to have us accountable to too many metrics? In which case, you know, if you try to be good at too many things, you're going to be good at nothing. So, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not saying that's the case for Badger Fund of Funds. I guess, in fairness, you know, I'd like to revisit it in two, three years if they say they they, they need more time. I do know they were proud of a, a recent exit that they had with some success. So, if they have quite a few of those, then maybe they'll be able to make a case that this was worth it. So. Uh, but again, um, if we do something like this, like the governor is proposing, let's not centralize things too much. <laughs> you know, it, it should be multiple kind of private sector individuals um, kind of driving things and then being arm's length from it. But, but yeah, is this is this about supporting minority-led ventures? A, a wonderful kind of a, a thing to want. Um, is it about creating jobs? Another wonderful thing to want. <laughs> is it about producing return on investment? You know, is it possible to be about all three of those things? I don't know. <laughs> is Foxconn a, a cautionary tale for us? It's almost a case study in um, you know economic development that's not panned out the way it was supposed to be. Um, we. The, under the last administration, the, the Taiwanese electronics manufacturer was offered nearly $3 billion in incentives and subsidies to locate a manufacturing facility near Racine. Since then, Foxconn has reduced its planned investment in Wisconsin from $10 billion to $672 million and slashed its job pro, pro, uh, projection from 13,000 workers to 1,450 workers, a dramatic drop. That's That's, you know... Not exactly venture capital, but it, it again kind of gets to the state trying to figure out how to incentivize um, economic development in ways that just quite often don't pan out. Yeah, yeah, state making a kind of investment. Um, in that case, I think with good intentions under Governor Walker, um, who I, uh, and it just didn't turn out the the way we wanted, I believe, and the. The jury's out, but it's not looking very good. So a lot of money was spent on, on that as well. So and we're uh, 
we're trying to be a little more fiscally responsible than our neighbor to the south in Illinois, right? So let's not become Illinois. Right. <laughs> which, which actually kind of leads to another question, and maybe this is a good, good way to kind of wrap things up. But um, what should the state be doing in terms of creating a level playing field that allows for Wisconsin small businesses, manufacturers, large businesses to flourish? What, 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 what can the state be doing? That doesn't involve involve central planning or you know uh, control from the above. That could actually allow Wisconsin to become more competitive and draw businesses from Wisconsin or draw investment from California or New York. Well, certainly any kind of reduction in regulatory barriers to to what companies startups want to do, um, and uh, you know if you want to help startups financially, you know which is what the venture fund proposal is about. You know, one good system that we have in Wisconsin is the QNBV system. So there, if you're a hardcore libertarian, maybe you're, you're not in favor of that per se. But, but here, all, you're, all we're really doing is giving an incentive to investors to invest by giving them an additional tax break. Zero input into what they invest in. Just saying, hey, if you invest in Wisconsin companies, you're going to have a little bit of a tax break as a reward for investing in this. So there is no real government input other than we'd like you to invest in a Wisconsin company. That kind of thing is very arm's length. So I think that's a, not a bad way to, to spend money. And I guess you could say it's not actually spending money. It's just uh, the government agreeing to take less money uh, from an early stage company that's struggling to get going anyway. So, so I guess... Um, remove tax and regulatory burdens on companies that we view as kind of the, the entrepreneurial milieu of what could become very successful job-producing companies for our state. So, so help them in their early stage, not just by giving them money, that's maybe you know taxpayer money, <laughs> uh, but rather help them by removing barriers to their success and removing barriers for investors that want to invest in them and give them success, which could include even trying to provide sort of uh, incentives to coastal venture firms. You know, most um, venture investments are syndicated, so you might have one or two Wisconsin investors and then uh, another two or three from California or New York. So if there are some sort of incentives for that as well, I think that's a, that's an okay way to go. But but the QNBV tax break system for investors is, is, I think, a positive thing, which I believe is managed by Wisconsin Economic Development Corp. So that kind of thing where government is not having a very active role in what investments are being made, but just making it more friendly for companies uh, from a tax and, and regulatory point of view. So. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, just had some tax relief here in Wisconsin uh, in the last few months that uh, will soon kick in, and it, it lowers the third rate uh, of our income tax uh, um, rates, basically. Uh, and our our third highest rate is higher than the highest rate in 23 other states. Okay. Uh, plus, that doesn't even count the eight states that have no income tax whatsoever. So it seems to us that you know one way to make uh, Wisconsin far more competitive would be to look at a flat tax or eliminating one of our you know, core taxes or 
doing other things that say... I'm make, totally okay with getting rid of the income tax. Yeah. Maybe we should talk <laughs> here, about here. that more. <laughs> but, uh, but things that make you, you know, Wisconsin stand out so that people say, I, this is exactly where I need to go. I'm, I'm packing up from Illinois. I'm burned out on the, the taxes, the regulatory system here, yeah. the other issues. I'm going across the, the, the line to Wisconsin and starting up a, a facility there because I know I'm going to be treated fairly, even-handedly, like every other business in the, in the state and, uh, uh, and can flourish under, in, in that uh, environment. So... Um, anyway, Dan, great to have you. Thank you so much for your insights, expertise, and uh, very, very interesting discussion. Thanks for having me, Michael. I really enjoyed it. Thank you once again for listening to this episode. And please, if you want to go ahead and spread this message of free dialogue, open discourse, new ideas, topics that do matter to each and every one of us, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this show right now. Each and every review and rating matters. As always, I'm Remso W. Martinez from the Badger Institute, signing off. Free Exchange is a Badger Institute production, copyright 2021.